Hello, 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 and welcome to episode number three of Bible Days E23. And today our episode is going to be titled Not So Happy Holidays. Today we are going to investigate a few of the holidays that we celebrate in the quote-unquote Christian community um, without really knowing what the holiday is about. Um, sometimes you can tell people, well, you know, this represents that or this represents this. And what they will do is say, well, it still doesn't matter. I'm going to worship the most high the way I want to worship him. I'm celebrating this day to the Lord. Jesus is the reason for the season. They say all these things, but these days have already been designated and set aside for these particular gods, no matter how you feel about it. And the most high, he also has something to say about that. And that is in Deuteronomy 12 and 31. And he says, Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hateth, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters, they have burnt in the fire to their gods. So that's what he feels about it. So... What you feel about it is basically knocked off the map just by him saying that. Uh, We cannot sanctify their customs and then turn around and do these things to the Most High and think that he's going to honor that. He's already told us that he doesn't like that. Um, Matter of fact, in Amos 5 and 21, he says, I hate, I despise your feast, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Also in Isaiah 1, In 14 through 16, it says, Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Would you stop? Once you figure it out, stop that. It doesn't matter that you have an emotional attachment to it. That's not an emotional attachment. That's a stronghold. Micah 5 and 15 says, And I will execute vengeance in anger and fury upon the heathen such as they have not heard. So he's telling you what he's going to do. And you might say, well, I I just don't know. I'm not a heathen. Well, if you practice heathen ways, that makes you a heathen. Just like if you steal something, that makes you a thief. Whatever you do, that's what makes you. So these uh, discussions are going to get a little bit more serious. That doesn't mean I'm not going to be comical or whatever, but they're going to get a little bit more serious even when we're just dealing with holidays because Like I said, we are so entrenched in heathen society that we don't know that we have to come out. We don't know that we in bondage. We think that this is just life. Now, January is, we're going to go start with that as the first uh, month of the year for doing our holidays. Now, we already talked about how uh, January was dedicated to the God Janus. He was a two-faced God of beginnings and gateways. That means he watches the past and looks forward to the future. Now, this is why we have the countdown, and this is the basis for watching a new year come in. 
Um, I remember as a kid, I always had these questions. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? And now I'm realizing that the most high put that in me to search these things out. There's a scripture about things that are hidden and, and, and things about that, that you search about too. Right off the bat, uh, right off the bat, I don't have it right now. But moving on, uh, toasting. Now, toasting that started in the 16th century when drinkers would put a piece of toast in their wine and soak up the acid to improve the taste. Um, something as little as that is entrenched. And a lot of uh, quote unquote Christians do not drink alcohol, but yet and still they like to drink out of wine glasses and they will toast. I have been guilty of that myself until I found out what it meant. Um, now it was also, they also clink the glasses. Something as small as clinking glasses, we don't even think about it. But that was done to indulge all the senses with the people that you were drinking with. Therefore, you could form some sort of bond with them, which means that this is some sort of ritual. Because you had your taste, your touch, your smell, and your sight, but you didn't necessarily have the hearing. So the hearing came when you clinked the glasses. And that's when, I guess, your bonding or your ritual uh, started. Now, during the medieval times, they made extra noise by yelling and being rowdy to ward off spirits. Now, if you think, like when you watch movies and this in the medieval times, when they're drinking, it is loud and just... They are cantankerous in the cavern, and they're really in a tavern or whatever. And it's always loud and just a whole lot of stuff. It's just revelry going on in there. And that's what it was for. They weren't just being loud because they were drinking. They were being they were being loud so they could drink in peace, technically. Now, the pouring out to the liquors of the homies. That came from that time as well, because when they clinked their glasses at that time or their mugs or whatever, they purposely wanted to spill some of the alcohol on the floor. Mm. They did it to scare away demons and uh, spirits, or maybe the spirits would leave you alone because they would drink off the floor or whatever. This is just crazy. This is what it is. I'm just telling you what the history of this is, and you have to decide for yourself, is this worth it? Now, traditionally, Germans bang their glass down on the table to scare away spirits. Now, this is the same thing that happens when people take a shot of tequila or whatever they're taking a shot of. They always, almost always slam their glass down. Uh, now, for worship of gods, it was a reference to blood or wine in the glass that you offered for a prayer to them. Now, it was custom to leave alcohol after a death or a celebration, which is much like today. Now, the raising of the glass is tied to the Roman god Bacchus, the god of wine and revelry. Now, he's also called Dionysus in Greco-Roman, which is the god of wine, vine, winemaking, grape harvesting, fertility, ritual madness, theater, religious ecstasy, orchards, fruit, worship-driven orgies, and insanity. Now, this is the connection for the wild, drunken New Year's parties. Uh, Let's move on to MLK. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which is the third Monday of January. Now, his father was so inspired by Martin Luther, which was the leader of the Protestant Reformation. Now, we're going to cover that when we go over church history, because there's two different types of church history. 
You got your church history that you're dealing with the Bible as far as what the Most High has done with his people. And then you have church history as as far as physically what has happened in this world. How do we get different denominations? How did you get different religions? All those kinds of things. We're going to go over that in another um, podcast because that was that was something that I wanted to know as a child. So as I'm older, it helps me see things in a different way. I have the backdrop of the movie. Um, when we watch movies, we don't just watch it for the surface. We watch it for all the little details because all those details come together and they give you the story. Now, let me get back to uh, Martin Luther King. Now, uh, like I said, his dad was so impressed by Martin Luther that they he changed their name. He changed both of their names. Matter of fact, uh, Martin Luther, Martin Luther, or Michael King, was only five years old when his dad decided to change his name. Um, it wasn't considered legal until July 23rd in 1959. Now, if you don't believe me, you can look that up. Everything is not what you think, and we're going to deal with Martin Luther King Jr. as well when I started dealing with COINTELPRO and uh, drug on, uh, the, the war on drugs and J. Edgar Hoover and FBI and CIA and things like that, you would think that didn't have anything to do with the Bible, but it's about the plots and the conspiracies and the things that have been done to his people to keep them in a certain position. Now let's move on to February. February is we have St. Valentine's Day in February. Um, that is in reference to worship of the shepherd god or the goddess Luper, Lupercus and Lupercalia. Now, that was a purification ceremony and it ran for three days, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th. It was ran by priests called Luperci, a group of priests dedicated to this festival only, which means they didn't do anything else as far as ecclesiastical. They just ran this particular festival. They were also known as the Brothers of the Wolf. Now, the Lupercus, that was the wolf god. Now, I know I'm saying a lot, and you're going to have to go back over it because it is a lot. Um, It's a lot, and I deal with it, and and, and I'm like, man, this is a lot of stuff to be dealing with. Now, Lupercus was the she-wolf that raised Remus and Romulus. Now, those are the two boys whom... Now, Romulus is the one that Romulus, Michigan, is named after, and also Rome was named after him. Now, we're going to get into them at a later date, too. Now, these Luperci, they sacrificed two goats and a dog. Now, this represented this, the sheep and the shepherd uh, relationship. The sheep, uh, the goats, of course, represented the sheep, and the shepherd was represented by the dog. The blood then was smudged on two of the foreheads of the Luperci's, two of them. It had to run through the city, basically, with nothing but goat skins on, and they would chase women with leather straps. Now, the women purposely got in the way to get hit with the straps because they wanted to receive fertility. This was also linked with fertility. Just about all of these festivals have a link with fertility or with agriculture somehow, growth of food. And uh, there's almost always a blood sacrifice. Now, that reminds me of, it's a, it's a, a tribe of people called the Hamar tribe of Ethiopia. And they do something similar to this. You can look this up on the web or YouTube or whatever. And the young men go through a, they go through what they call a rite of passage. And they 
They run on top of cows. I know it sounds crazy, but it's called cattle jumping. And that's a right that they have to do in order to be able to consider men or to be able to, to marry. They have to run across the back of these cows without falling. Now, once they do that, once they are initiated, then these young men grab canes. And then the ladies come around them and they hit the women with these canes. And they're not tapping these women either. They're striking these women to the point where you can see their skin opening up. Okay. And these women are running from it. They aren't yelling. They aren't trying to avoid it. As a matter of fact, they're running to the men there. This is what they use. It's considered a, a sign of, 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 uh, support. And afterwards say at the woman heals and, and say she needs something done in her home or she needs some protection or anything. She can be like, see this scar right here. Remember on your, uh, your ceremony, I need this done. I need you to protect me. And they honor that. That is their society. Those scars are actually thought of as marks of beauty. Now back to Lupercalia, cause I can get off course real quick, but at one time, this festival festival was known as the spring cleansing ritual of February. Now, this is where we get spring cleaning from. Mm, I know you would never think things that are harmless are entrenched in so much, basically, devil worship. When it boils down to it, that's what it is. Now, Juno was also worshipped uh, during this time of the month. Um, during this particular festival. I'm sorry about that. Now, Juno was the goddess of also of love, marriage, and women. Now, she was also the goddess of what they call spring fever. Now, June, we talked about June being named after her, which is why more people get married in June than any other month. Hence the term June bride. So, Getting married in June, like a lot of people do when they think, oh, we just want to be a June bride. There is a story behind that. It's in reference to Juno, a goddess. Now, uh, back to the Lupercalia. I keep getting off, but I have to tell you these things. Now, the females wrote their names on pieces of paper that went into a box. Now, whatever male drew your name, he was your partner for the rest of that festival. Now, you know they always had grown-up nasty activities after these festivals. That's just what they do. They get drunk. They have orgies. They sacrifice. It's the same thing. Lather, rinse, and repeat. Now, people that was married, they took a break as well. So, you might have took off your wedding ring and threw your name in in the pot and seen what happened. That's just what was going on. Now, the name St. Valentine comes from a priest who supposedly used to sneak and marry uh, Christian couples because at the time they didn't want men to keep getting married during that time because so many of them were getting married that they weren't joining the military. So without a military, you don't have any strength. So they was like, "Uh uh-uh, we got to outlaw marriage. Um, Now, he could be identified by the Cupid on his ring. Remember, we talked about the Cupid last podcast. That is Eros. That was the god of god of love, okay? One of them. Well, anyway, he was caught, put in jail. Now, he fell in love with the warden's daughter. And on his way to execution, supposedly, he gave her a letter and signed it and said, you know, to his beloved and signed it your valentine. That's where we get the valentine from. Now, the mixing of two, these two stories is where we get the exchanging of valentines and candy grams and the like. 
Now, the church played down the debauchery. They changed the name of this festival and made it one day. All of this was done to allow numbers to be added to the church. They knew that they weren't going to get people in the church if you made people let go of their idols and their pagan ways. So that's why you have all the idols and symbols and things in the Catholic church because they're not going to let those things go. That's how their church was built. That's how they got so powerful. Now, uh, the symbols of those days are the red rose, which is Venus's flower. This is the, the her favorite flower. And she was the goddess of love and fertility. And she was also the mother of Cupid. Now, one of her other names was Aphrodite. This is where aphrodisiac comes from. Now, Venus being, now Venus, her other name, see, see how this stuff is connected? Venus, she's also the goddess of love. That's also where venereal disease comes from. Okay? Now, I'm not being nasty or anything, but I just got to go here so that you understand. Now, do you guys remember the uh, commercial about the feminine razor product? It's called Venus. I'm your Venus. I'm your fire of desire. I had to do that, y'all. But anyway, so just to bring that back, that's who that's talking about. It's right in your face, right in your living room. Uh, now, we know that the Cupid, we talked about him. That's the winged goblin who basically pierces the heart with love arrows. That's why you see the pictures with the hearts and it has an arrow through it. Maybe you got that. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you just looked at it and didn't think about that. But that's what that represents. That it's been pierced by the godling Eros. This holiday is is pagan, period. I don't care how you slice it up. It is what it is. Now, uh, chocolate, that's given on that day too. Because chocolate is said to have the same effect on you chemically in your brain as when you're in love, it creates that same, I guess, euphoric feeling. That's why chocolates are given. Now, strawberries, they're shaped like hearts. Now, we know hearts are not shaped like that. The real human heart is not shaped like that. It's shaped like something, but I'm going to leave that up to your, your own imagination. And, and we do know that they cover those in chocolate as well. Now, let's move on to March. March, we have St. Patrick's Day. Now, he wasn't even Irish. He was actually uh, Roman British. He was kidnapped from Wales and taken to Ireland as an indentured servant. Now, I said indentured servant. Sometime when you go look this up, you're going to see that he was taken there as a slave. There's a difference between an indentured servant and a slave. An indentured servant, basically... They're going to do that for a certain amount of time for a certain reason. Say if you pay for them to be able to ride the boat from, let's say, Ireland to Wales. They will work for you to pay that off. And then after they paid that off, they will be considered a citizen. That's not the same as a slave. Okay? I don't want to go too far with that because sometimes I get a little upset when I think about those kind of things. But once you figure out this story, you're going to be getting upset too. Now... After he was in Ireland for a while, he came back to Wales saying he was told by God to come back. Now, he was given credit for running the pagans underground. Not out of, underground. Because we know that is just, who, when I 
when you think about the Celtic uh, culture, that's just what they do. It's it's a witchcrafty. It's a crafty old. They they deal in old the old ways. So him coming back and running folks out of the that didn't happen. Now he was also given credit for running snakes out of Ireland. Now snakes were never in Ireland because it's too cold up there. They couldn't even cross the water. So you can see how certain things are just set up to make people look like they are something that they're not. Um, now by his own admission, he said he liked to get drunk. He liked to fornicate and he liked to talk to Satan. He also dined with elites who were admitted heathens. So you already know what was going on at these dinners and these parties. Now, he also said that he talked to snakes and reptiles. Now, the other thing that he did, he said he had hallucinations from eating shamrocks. Now, I have seen that shamrocks supposedly do cause some hallucinogenic uh, effects if there is a large amount, a, a, a large enough amount ingested. So, from seeing that, that would take us to the green beer. Because the green beer mirrors that ritual. Because if that gets you high, then the green beer is going to get you high. And you know, McDonald's has a shamrock shake. And their name is McDonald's. Put that together. Now, St. Patrick claimed that the three flower leaves on the clover-shaped plant was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, each year, people will wear a shamrock on their lapel or clothes to show that they were Christian. Now, eventually, it evolved into wearing green clothing. Now, the pinch, remember that when you was growing up, where they would pinch you if you didn't wear green on St. Patrick's Day? That represents that a leprechaun had pinched you because you weren't wearing the proper colors. You weren't representing that you were a Christian. Isn't that something? Ezekiel 8, 14. He brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was towards the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. These are your hot cross buns. Now, Jeremiah 7, 18. The children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire. And the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Mm. Sunrise service is another tradition that is practiced in the Christian community and that has pagan origins as well. It is a solar celebration, which means it's a celebration of the sun. Uh, Matthew 21 and 28, excuse me, and one says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. Ooh, okay. So even then, when we're reading this, we know that they were still practicing the Sabbath. Mm. 
1773, U.S. held its first sunrise service. May, Mother's Day. Now, that's also known as Mothering Sunday. And they are worshiping the Queen of Heaven in that as well. Um, the Mother Assembly, which was the Mother Church, changed or exchanged, rather, worshiping pagan deities to earthly women to Lent's fourth Sunday. Now, this three-day Roman festival in mid-March, it dates back, way back, to 250 BCE, before the Common Era. Now, Anjara, she was this lady that uh, she went to Europe and she got to experience the Mothering Sunday over there. She enjoyed it so much that she decided to campaign and bring it back to the United States. President Woodrow Wilson signed the bill for it in 1908, making it a national holiday. But she regretted it after that because she saw that it was it became nothing but commercial. It wasn't about, uh, you know, giving honor to mothers or anything like that. And it's now that's what it's about now. Just about all the holidays are about making a buck. Now, Memorial Day was founded by freed slaves in 1865 in Charleston, South, South Carolina. 257 soldiers were buried in unmarked graves. The freedmen felt they deserved a proper burial. Now, proper burials are another study within itself. Deuteronomy 21:23 reads, His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the God, your Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. And uh, as I was going through... Uh, during the days that were set aside for nationalities, I was disturbed and angered that all other nationalities have a day of heritage. But our day is called history. Now, heritage is value objects and qualities such as a cultural tradition or unspoiled countryside, you know, land. You got historic buildings. You know, anything that has been like that that has been passed down from previous generations now with history all you have is a chronological record of significant events in other words all you have is a story we don't have anything we don't have any uh buildings we don't have a culture is what they saying so basically we've been cut off from being a nation for having in it a heritage which represents a heritance now psalms 83 4 reads they have said Come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name Israel may be no more in remembrance. Now, Joel 3 and 2 says, I will also gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Now to plead, that's not, he's not talking about begging. Um, in the Bible, when someone pleads, when the, when the most high pleads, he's about to avenge or vindicate them against their enemies. And uh, in other words, it's about to be some head cracking going on. Now, the other thing was, he said, they parted my land. Now the most high says, Proverbs 22, 
28 reads, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. In other words, don't be taking people land. Don't take what I gave them. I gave them that. Now, the first official celebration of that was May 30th, 1868 in the National Arlington Cemetery. It became a national holiday in 1889, and it was moved to the last Monday in May in 1968. Moving on to June, we have Father's Day, which is nothing more than the summer solstice. Uh, Remember we talked about that? Uh, It's the longest day, shortest night of the year. This festival lasted from June 19th to the 25th, and they perform rituals at Stonehenge called the Midsummer Solstice. Now, this was sky father worship in ancient times. In other words, they worship Baal, Osiris, Jupiter, etc., all the male gods. Now, whatever goat that was going to be sacrificed, a ribbon was placed around his neck. That's where we get the tradition of giving your father a tie for Father's Day. Now, I mentioned Baal and Osiris, and these are some of the Greek and Rome, but like I said, they're the same entities, just different names. We're going to get into them later. Now, during this time, Wiccans and pagans light bonfires on hills. Now, Wiccans, those are one who practices witchcraft and nature worship. They see it as a tradition. They see it as like the old way. They don't see it as, they see it as their culture. They see that as a way of life. Um, If you, a a person that is uh, quote unquote Christian, you can't imagine worshiping anything but the most high. That's natural to you. Well, it's natural to other nationalities to worship what he has put in front of them. Each nation has its own God. We're going to get into that later on. Um, Now the bonfire, they used to call it bonfire because it refers to the leftover ashes and bones after a sacrifice. Now, in 1909, Father's Day was established to honor uh, this lady's father who the mother died in childbirth and he raised his children. Now, President Johnson officially declared the third Sunday in June, Father's Day, started in 1966. Moving on to July the 4th. Now, this is when the European Americans celebrated the independence from Britain, which was actually signed on the 2nd of July of 1776. Now, it's celebrated with barbecues, fireworks, parades, new outfits, and revelry. Now, while Washington, D.C. is technically our capital, it is really part of British Columbia. Um, It is not considered United States. Look that up. Uh, That's why it's called Washington District of Columbia. Now, Washington is uh, getting ready to petition to become their own state. That's the same thing that the Vatican is. Even it's a city within a city. It has its own police force. It's completely uh, self-sufficient. But we're going to get into that at a later date. Um, Okay. Now, this is when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Now, not every citizen was meant to get a piece of that pie. Okay? Because we weren't. Some of us were not meant to get a piece of that pie. 
So that this is something that I'm going to go into later on as well. I got a lot of stuff to go into later on, don't I? But we have to, we got to, we got to set the foundation. Now, the very next day that I'm going to deal with is Labor Day, September 7th. That's nothing more than the celebration of laborers and working class. That's where the eight hour a day, 40 hour week came from. There was a movement called a short time movement. Even people, people were even, their kids were even working. We talking working 10, 16 hour days, six days a week. So that's when you had the labor unions and all that kind of stuff. That's when that popped off. And that's what we got from that. I wouldn't say that's a secular, I wouldn't say that's a pagan holiday, but it ain't reference to the most high. So here we go. It's not a holy day. The next day we have is Halloween, which was called Sam Hain. Actually, it was like a three-day sacrifice festival. And they use it to prepare for the long, hard winter. Basically, it was one last party before they shut down for the winter. As a matter of fact, same hand, that means summer's end. Now, they were basically Celtics. And their belief that half of the year was dark, half of the year was light. And the Sam Hain, that's when let you know that the, the dark half had kicked off. And they actually believed that you could see the spirit world during this, these three days. Now, the bonfire was supposedly to protect them from whatever spirits that would have been running wild at that particular time. So the Celts were, they, they were basically Irish, and they also were known as Druids, as the Druid priests. And they went door to door to receive gifts or a sacrifice. Now, if you had something to, to, that, something that you, to give them, that was a treat. You usually got a human skull with a candle burning made out of human fat sometimes left there. That's where jack-o'-learners came from. If you didn't have an offering, sometimes you received a trick. Sometimes a spell was cast. And sometimes someone would die in that home just from straight-up fear. Now, the costumes, that was so that the evil spirits could not recognize you. As you can see, that is a recurring theme. That they do little things that quote-unquote spirits won't recognize them okay um it was uh that was taken in by the catholic church and basically christianized so after rome captured ireland that's when the practice of sam hain quote-unquote halloween started in the church so the next time you watching basketball and you rooting for the boston celtics this is going to give you a clearer picture on what these entities are named after. Whoever owns it got the they have to know something about the Celtics to to say that. This is letting you know paganism is all around you. Now, Thanksgiving is not what people think. Uh it is the celebration of genocide and lies. Uh native Indians were called savages. That's what Indian means it means savage. It's not uh, uh it's not a real uh, title for people if you understand what I'm saying. It was a descriptive term. And quote and, and mind you, the Indians were native, they were not indigenous. 
there is a difference between native and being indigenous. A native person is a person that's born in a specified place or they associated with a place by birth. An indigenous person, they originated there. They are part of that place. They originated or they occur naturally in a particular place. Now, soldiers kill the food source, uh, which was buffalo, to starve the natives. They purposely just killed off the buffalo so that the native Indians could not eat and survive. Those people lived off the land. They didn't take any more than what they needed at that particular time. So they, there was no, what you call as we call a footprint. There was no footprint. They didn't leave a footprint. They didn't destroy anything. They worked with nature. They didn't work against it or they didn't try to take over nature. Now these people were lied to, stolen from, and taken advantage of. And their, their stories show some alarming behavior patterns of certain people of other nations. They celebrated and feasted until it, there was so much revelry, oh, revelry over killing these people. They feasted every time they killed Indians to the point that, hold it, we're partying too much. We're going to have to set aside one day for the killing of these people and the eating. I, that sounds cruel, but that's basically what happened. We're going to explore that later when we get into that uh, uh, a little later. But I just had to give you a little overview here. Now, Christmas, that was known as the winter festival or solstice. And this is very important in Chinese and Eastern Asian uh, cultures. This is very important. Now, uh, Christmas in the winter festival was also called Saturnalia. This was a festival to honor Saturn. We talked about Saturn. Um, we talked about that during the days of the week. Now, there was sacrificing, feasting, role reversals, gambling, and gift giving. Now, the pagans believed that Nimrod was underground to be reborn every spring. So, they believed he was always alive. So, that's where the evergreen tree came in. And because, he was, because it supposedly never died. And it represented him because supposedly they feel like he didn't ever die. That he was all living or whatever. You know, just he was a guy. The tree represents the part of Nimrod that was lost after he was killed and he was cut up. So the tree is a phallic symbol. It's a male symbol. Uh, now we kind of like scratching the surface of you're going to start seeing a whole lot of similarities in these different pagan beliefs systems they all crisscross like i said they're all the same it's just different in culture jeremiah 10 3 through 5 reads for the customs of the people are vain for one cutteth a tree out of the forest the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe they deck it with silver and with gold they fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs to be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Now, the customs of the people, we know that we don't have to go cut down a tree like we used to back in the day because they make artificial trees. You can just go buy one. But it doesn't change the fact that when you bring that tree to your home, you deck it with gold and you deck it with silver and you do have to fasten it so that it doesn't fall over 
in your living room or whatever room that is that you you have it in. Now, it says they are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must needs to be born. They can't do anything. You have to move it around. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Now, one of the... Um, one of the stories about the quote-unquote tree before it was called the Christmas tree because it's right here in the word that you see that it was a tree and this is what they did and we're doing the same ritual. They used to believe that that tree would come alive at night if you didn't put any gifts under that tree. They believed that Nimrod would resuscitate through that tree and kill somebody in that house. Now, you or I may be like... I ain't scared of no tree, but this is what these people believed. And Nimrod, Genesis 10, 9 says, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. So it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. He was known for hunting. He was known for hunting people. So if this was a deity that you worshiped and you thought it was going to come back to life, you would be terrified. Because you would think that he's going to wake up and do what he was doing before he got killed. Uh, We're going to go into that later on because Nimrod is actually Baal. That's where it all started. Um, This was his birthday. Now, Mithras, it was his birthday as well. Sol Invictus, it was his birthday. Zeus, they all the same person, just different culture. Now, the holly wreath is a female symbol, which is why you often find a candle in the middle of it. Usually the sexual union is what is displayed. If you see a male part, a female part is somewhere close. I'm going to give you an example. The Washington Monument, which is an obelisk, which is a phallic symbol, which is Egyptian. It has that body of water in front of it, which is the Lincoln Memorial reflecting pool. Anytime you see a phallic symbol and you see a circle or a body of water around it, that's representing the female. Or if there's a, if it's sitting inside a circle, almost all the time you're going to see this. And that's what that's representing. Now, Santa Claus started out as two people. Started off as St. Nicholas and the other one was Krampus. Now, the Krampus, he was like a half goat, half demon. Now, that reminds you of Pan. Reminds you of a satyr. Okay? Anyway, getting back to... He would beat down bad kids. Crumpus rode a sleigh that was pulled by goats. Santa Claus rode a sleigh that was pulled by deer. They both were horned animals. We're going to get into that later because that represents something as well. Now, it appears that he might have been a template for the devil because the illustrations that, that you know I have seen about him, it looks just like a modern day devil, except he was a different color. He, he, he was like grayish, sometimes dark brown, sometimes blackish, but he, he looked really, really evil with a long tongue and fangs in his mouth. Yeah, he would have he been scary if I was a kid. I guess I would have been scared of that. And he drug chains around. Now, that's probably where, if you guys ever seen uh, the story about the ghost from Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future, the spirits of Christmas, I can't remember the name of that, but 
that's probably where that came from. Now, he carted off bad children to hell with a basket on his back. Now, sometimes those kids didn't make it because they were either drowned by him or eaten by him. Now, in Western society, the crumpets has been dropped. But it's, it's now it's just jolly old St. Nick. But now that you see holidays are not just days, you got decisions to make. I in no way covered everything. There's too much. Each holiday itself could have its own podcast. That's, the, that's just how much is wrapped around these, these heathen days. But that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to give you everything. What I'm supposed to do is to give you enough to stir up what's in you to go search it for yourself so that you can warn other people's. Now, as time goes by, you'll notice that things that used to go over your head, they're not going over your head anymore. Um, It's a process. You are waking up, but you can't go back to sleep. If you've heard up to number three, you can't go back to sleep. And I'm not talking to you like I'm some sort of uh, great medicine woman or great prophet. I'm not talking to you like that. I'm talking to you as in I'm begging you. Time is short. If you don't find out what's going on, you're not going to know what's going on. You don't find out what he said, you're not going to understand what's being said. So with that, Ephesians 5 and 14. Wherefore, he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Ephesians 5 and 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And until next time, love y'all. Bye-bye.